With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Tennis.com podcast. This is the uh, year in preview edition. Uh, I'm Ed McGrogan. I'm here today with Nina Pantic, uh, who uh, fellow Tennis.com, Tennis Magazine, Tennis Tuesday uh, star of the show here. We're going to be talking about the women today. Um, going over what we think the year-end top 10 will look like a year from now in 2015. And I brought Nina in. Nina has a a wealth of experience in tennis, all facets of the game. You're a former collegiate player yourself. Maybe just introduce where, uh, you know, what's brought you here and, um, you know, some of the things you've done in the sport. Yeah, hi Ed. Thanks for having me. Um, I played for UCLA in undergrad, and I played for a semester at Missouri, and went to grad school there, and um, been living in New York for almost a year. Yeah, well, it's good to finally get you on the podcast. I've I've talked to Steve and Pete enough for for one year, so this is good to have a fresh voice here. Steve will be on. We'll have the men's podcast, I should say. Um, as well with Steve, we'll be uh, recording that, and we'll have that up as well for you all. Um, but let's let's start with the WTA side of things here, and you know, from what I just kind of looking at what the how the year in ranking shook out this year, um, we have you know, Serena at the top, then it goes Sharapova, Halep, Kvitova, Ivanovic, um, Radwanska, Bouchard, Wozniacki, Kerber, and Sabolkova. It, it's a mix of the mainstays and. You know, in, in Halep and Bouchard, you have players that really made big surges this year to get, um, you know, to really announce themselves among the tour's top echelon here. Um, you know, were there any, for this year in picker, if we want to just take one last look at 2014, you know, how did you, did you see perhaps players like Halep and Bouchard making these surges? Did, did you expect as much from them? I'm not that surprised by Halep. Um Doing that well this year, I think I think top three might have been. I wouldn't have expected her to go that high, but I'm not surprised by her results. I'm not surprised that she's, you know, been beating all these top players. That she made the finals of the French Open. That that wasn't that big of a shocker. But Bouchard definitely came out of nowhere, um, at least to me. I'd heard of her, but I hadn't been paying attention to anyone. And you know, she's young. She's from Canada, and I I played in Canada for a while when I was a kid, so I'm usually vaguely aware of Canadians. And, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if she was in the top 30, but I never would have seen her jump up that bad. And to have Grand Sound results like that, pretty much her first major year on tour is, 
it's pretty impressive. And I don't know if she can repeat it though. Yeah, I mean, she clearly is going to be perhaps the biggest story um, going into 2015 for any of you that will receive the magazine. She's getting, she's getting front billing on, on ours, and she's really kind of our, our major talking point going into this year is really you know how things end up happening for Bouchard now that the the expectations really are high um, and, and and such for her. So let's kind of dive right into it, and you know I, I think I'll add some thoughts of mine as we go down this list here of yours. Um, but let's start at the at the end here, and um, you know who would you predict will be the uh, will come up the rear in the top ten for at the end of twenty fifteen. Well, I'm tempted to say that you know Zabolkova will probably stay around ten, but but my pick would actually be Safarova. Um, I think she's got she got the potential to, to finally get up higher than you know she's ranked 16. She's been ranked 16 before, but I think this is a year where she can really put her game together and figure it out. And you know she made one semifinal at a Grand Slam this year, and she's lost to Lena at the Australian Open. She's had all these tight matches against. She's played Serena. She's gotten sets off Serena, and I think she she pushed Sharapova to seven six in the third and back in April, and she has the potential to at least you know, sit around at least rank 10 or 11 by the end of next year. She's a player that I think very few relish running into at a grand slam because, um, as you say, you know, she hasn't, hasn't brought that ranking up to a spot where she is among, you know, necessarily the top eight, of course, or, you know, even at 16, she's only now uh, at the seating level where, uh, you can the top players can expect to avoid her until later on. Sometimes, you know, she, um, Safarova is someone that a great player is going to run into in the third round at a slam, and and we've seen that she has, I think, the mentality and the game to trouble, um, you know, almost any player. And I think she she's shown also during the Czech Republic's run in Fed Cup that. This is someone who really can kind of play in any environment and even the most hostile environments. And uh, you know, when she is, when she really is kind of dialed in, she uh, is, is someone that I don't think anyone would be surprised to see maybe make that leap into the top ten. I think that's a good a good call, especially because when you look at the players ranked 11 through 20, there are some 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 that have made their, you know, stays in the top 10 and some that are really kind of on the outside. But, but for Safarova, it would be a pretty big accomplishment to get to that point. Um, so with that said, let's, um, let's go to number nine. And this is currently occupied by Kerber. Um, who do you think goes to number nine? I think Petkovic is going to, is going to get in there. You know, she's been ranked in 2011. She was ranked, uh, she was in the top 10. She finished the first time in the top 10. And then she's been suffering through all these catastrophic injuries over and over again and this is the first year where she's been back in her top form and I think she's got the game and she won um that tournament in Sofia where it's it's the second tier WTA yeah, tour and event and she I mean technically that tournament was to determine who was number nine that, quite literally yeah that's a good that's yeah very good point that the uh the year-end championship after the year-end championship yeah pretty much yeah. um and she's she's gotten wins over a lot of players ranked ahead of her, and she's she's always right in there. And I think that with a little bit of luck, maybe a good draw here or there, I think she could make a good run to another Grand Slam um, semifinal. And she see. had had that one in um, in Roland Garros, exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was 
quite a story at the time too, because as you said about um, where she was coming from in terms of injuries from, because Pekovic has been a pretty known quantity for years, but um, really kind of fell off the grid, the, the radar for a while because of some, and it wasn't just one injury, of course, it was, I, I think from almost head to toe, you could kind of point at the ailments that, that she had there. And, um, but I think that's a, otherwise a point well taken about really the, the kind of, um, you know, the, for her to, for put it this way, for her to come back and not only make that push in Paris earlier in the year, but to kind of sustain that until, you know, the last dying week of the year, it, it really does speak well for her, you know, 2015. Um, and, and I think well, that's another, I think Pekovic reminds me in a way of Safarova in some ways where it's another, you know, I think a little flat balls coming from those from those two off the racket. It's another troublesome game if they're both, you know, dialed in there. So, right. um, so that already at this point we have two in, of the current top ten that may uh, will not be there next year according to our list here. So let's let's keep going and see if that trend continues um, with your number eight prediction for 2015. This is currently occupied by Wozniacki. Right. Number eight, I think I think it'll be Bouchard. Um, even though I've got doubts about her defending points at the Grand Slams, I definitely don't think that she's gonna make, you know, these finals and semifinals of three Grand Slams. I don't I don't see that happening. But I do think that she's gonna step her game up in other tournaments as a result of that. And I think that she's gonna get more titles. I think she's gonna she has a lot of off weeks where she didn't do very well. And in those weeks I think she'll have that whole well, you know, I can kind of be an underdog again and try and do better at these other events. And I think her ranking will stay in the top 10, but I, I don't think she's going to move up. So right now she's at seven, but I don't, I don't think she'll finish in the top five, but I think she'll be, you know, kind of hovering in the bottom half of the top 10. You know, with athletes, I think it's, it, they can say that you don't read the papers or there's, or I should say, don't read the internet or whatever, but about basically about the criticism and, and the critics that come upon professional athletes and, for Bouchard, you know, she did receive a lot of it, as you say, for her performance in events that that were not of the Grand Slam caliber. And the one that comes to mind immediately is the, her loss at the Rogers Cup in Montreal, first round to Shelby Rogers, and, I, and the score I'm pretty sure was was O. Uh, I don't know if it was O one and O, but there were there were multiple shutout sets involved and. This is against a qualifier outside of the top 125, um, obviously center court, top billing. This is right after her run to the Wimbledon final. At that point, the year did take a different sort of tone for her, but it, it, it wasn't even it wasn't even always just Canada where this where this happened. There is a lot of events where you might have expected someone of her of her success to really break through and she only has one other title and um, at, a, at a smaller event and I, I think what many people are asking like yourself is where is where Bouchard goes from here is um, certainly was an all-in all-in-or-nothing player last year um, and we'll see what happens this year for her. you know what do you think about her her game in general her style because I think that's another point of um, I think a point of contention for some people because, as we talked about with with uh, Pekovic Safarova, Bouchard's certainly a very flat hitter as well. Um, 
And it's not not necessarily that she has really a, a weapon that is gonna she can always call upon against a great player. You know, what do you think of her game? Because it's still developing, but there is you know a lot to talk about. I think I think her biggest weapon is her positioning on the court, um, where she stands. She's taking the ball early, and a lot of players do try to do that, but the tendency has been to step back. Um, we have more players that are grinders and. And even on, on red clay, she's standing up on the court. She's inside the baseline. She's attacking returns that, you know, she couldn't always be attacking these big first serves, but she is. And I think her first strike is her most important shot. She does not have, like, a certain weapon, definitely not. But if she can manage to make all these big shots and these big winners in matches day in and day out, there's nothing really stopping her from going deep in tournaments. But I think that her her mental strength is her biggest strength because she's always – I mean, not always. Clearly, the Rogers Cup, she completely fell apart. But in these bigger tournaments, she's been very mentally tough. And it's like nothing can de- can deter her from her goal of winning. And she has this really inflated confidence, which is a positive thing, um, in tennis at least. And seems to have a very good team around her, even though she's got a coaching change coming up right now. We'll see how that goes. But I think, I think that the whole the media will be after her. I think the first tournament in Australia is going to be a nightmare because the second she slips up, people are going to jump down her throat and just call her a pretty blonde and start comparing her to Kurnikova instead of Sharapova. And I think that for a girl like her, she's 20, she's on social media, she's not hiding from the internet whatsoever, she's posting bikini pics, she's not afraid of, of building up her internet followers at all. And I think that no matter how confident, no matter how mentally strong you are, at some point or another she's going to crack and, and we'll see how it goes because the slams is where she'll have the most attention. Yeah, I think it's a good point, as you say, about uh, positioning and mentality being weapons all their own, too, for her. So it, it's, um, like I said, one of the biggest questions is, as we head into the new year. Um, we are at number seven now, which is currently Jeannie's spot. Um, who do you slot in at the seven for 2015? I mean, I know that she had a really tough gear for her at least, and she hasn't really broken through and wouldn't want to slam or anything, but I think Radwanska will still will still be in there, and I think she'll be at number seven. She, you know, in reading some of the the talk about Radwanska, I think a lot of it was chatter about some players passing her by, but I do agree with you that it would be a little rash to, to overlook her. She still finished this year at number six, and really has the kind of game that I think befuddles so many players when, and I know we've said this about every player here thus far, you know, when she is dialed in, of course, and but she really plays a style of tennis that that is unlike really any other peer of hers, and, um, and she's done it, you know, at all levels of competition. She's won some very important titles, um, Indian Wells recently, she... Uh, has made a has has gone far at the slams hasn't won that slam, you know that that elusive title. But for Radwanska, really a pretty game to watch and uh, and still relatively young at uh, in the, in her mid twenties. So I, I think I, I think the room is there for her to still occupy that spot. Yeah, I mean I think I think her winning the title in Montreal was was a pretty big win for her, and that's and she made still made semi final at the Australian Open, and as long as she can find a way to defend those points. I think that she'll she'll have bigger shots at these Grand Slams. And she's ranked inside the top 10 now, so there's no reason she can't have good draws. And 
her tricky style of play. I mean, at least she's something different. She's not just banging off the baseline. She's got creativity and slices, and she's going to befuddle. These younger players might be up and coming, but she can still confuse them and, and throw them off. All right, now we're in a little little number jumble here. I got to think of where we are. We are at number six, I believe. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sensing. I'm going to make an early call here. I'm sensing that you're not a fan of Miss of one Anna Ivanovich for a repeat performance in 2015. Actually, you know, I think I think Ivanovich will will stick around. I think I have her at number five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have now, a, this bit is, of a bit of a number six. Now this is okay. Now go go ahead with that with Kvitova because I actually think that Kvitova is. I think that there is the potential that Kvitova does put it all together and could perhaps even finish atop this when all is said and done. Um, for me, because I, I definitely want to hear what you think about about her, but I think that. For a, for a player who you would probably call a veteran now and with you know two Wimbledon titles under her belt, and I know surface is such a key thing in in the results of tennis. It is it is such a sport of matchups and circumstance and really kind of feel. Um, but I just I do like the way Kavitova has been has been thinking about really her. I, I think she's. At this point, ready to take stock of of where she resides on the pecking order, and I think she clearly has the game to do it. It's it's going to be, you know, the challenges obviously will be mentally. It, it's been well documented with her, and now that I think about it, we didn't even mention with Radwanska that she will be coached by Martina Navratilova, who perhaps would have been maybe the ideal hire for Kvitova. Those two have worked together for for in a capacity and in, in at least a friendly capacity for a while, both of Czech descent, of course, but for Kvitova, I'm very high on her this year. Uh, I would have her higher than number six. So I'd, let me hear your thoughts on uh, where Kvitova stands going into next year. Well, my thinking with her is that the way we, we've been saying that some players need to be dialed in to, to do well. And she's the perfect example of that because she said herself that she needs to play the Petra way she needs to play the way she plays at Wimbledon and she can't seem to find that game at other tournaments she can't seem to play that same way every single week I mean after winning Wimbledon she had a pretty good rest of the year I mean she won in, in Wuhan and she won I mean the finals of Beijing she's not it's not that she lacks the ability to play every week that she lacks the ability to play that certain level when she played against Bouchard in the final of Wimbledon it was lights out I mean it was it was perfect tennis and I think to sustain that kind of an extremely high level takes a lot for her. And I think that for her to back it up this year is going to be tough. And I see her doing well. I just don't see her cracking top three. I mean, I just – I think there's players, players ahead of her that are, are more experienced, that are, that are more stable, and that can play the same way they want to play every day, not just, you know, certain magical, magical weeks. Yeah, very fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, jury, of course, jury on that front still out, as we say for Kvitova, um, but I will, I'm, I'm very bullish on her for, for this year, so we'll see where that goes. Let's go to number five, where you have Ivanovic staying um, atop that perch there. Um, Ivanovic, this year, I think one of the more overlooked surprises, I, I don't think almost anyone would have would have picked her to end at the top five, you know, a year ago, looking ahead to 2014. Um, but she started her year on with such a high at the Australian Open, beating Serena Williams. Um, to me, the biggest thing for her is 
just watching her matches, you really tended to, at least I felt a lot that the fragility that I think has characterized Ivanovich from like 2009 over the, you know, maybe to 2012 or so, that just seemed to be, you know, a thing of, it definitely seemed to be a thing of the past. And, you know, in particular, the serve, which she had such, such difficulty just starting from the toss, um, I think she got she kind of got a grip on those elements of her game, and you know the rest of it kind of flowed from there because it really is one of the one of the best things to watch when she is playing well. And I think that's what captivated so many people about her years ago. Um, and it was a great year for her, and uh, it sounds like you think um, she will back it up again. Yeah, I mean, this is the first year she finished in the top ten since two thousand eight, which is when she won her only Grand Slam at the French Open. And not only did she finish the top 10, she finished the top five, which I think is a sign of good things, that she's not going to completely let it go this year, but I think that she won't, she won't move up there, there is that. There is the uh, fire truck fire alarm that I predicted would happen. Um, oh, that sounds like a car alarm. Too, car right? alarm? Okay, yeah. well, it, it is always something here. Uh, continue, go ahead with the uh, the Ana talk. Uh, yes, okay, so I think, I think that... Uh, that the fact that she finished in the top five is a, a massive deal, and it's it's easy to overlook because she's been around and she's always been a solid player. She just seems to have these fits of weaknesses, and she mentally seems to fall apart at the most critical moments. And I think, you know, getting wins over players like Sharapova this year and Serena is massive for a player that needs that needs to have stable confidence to do well. And she finally she seems to have a very strong team around her. I mean, they're all she's Serbian. There's a lot of Serbian people on her team, and she seems to be have figured out exactly what she needs to do to succeed during the year and to have a year like she had in 2008. And she wants to win again. She seems very hungry to do well. Um, I don't know if you're favorite winning a Grand Slam or anything, but I think that she can maintain that level for another year as long as she doesn't get injured, as long as she doesn't fall apart. Now, I must add that you, um, you're of Serbian descent as well. And, you know, you haven't uh, lived, you'll have to remind me for the specifics. You have, you've lived, obviously, in the U.S. for quite for quite a few years. Um, but you certainly would, must know Ivanovich, you know, from at least a watching perspective. Well, I mean, how, I mean, back in 2008, if, if you remember, or just from others that, you know, you know, that time when Ivanovich and Yelena Yankovic and Djokovic were really emerging as such a, you know, such a transcendent, I think, force in, in global sport for, for Serbia. I mean, how do, do you remember really her coming of age back then? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that, actually. I mean, I was born in Serbia, and I haven't lived there since I was you know, a small child. But I've got a lot of friends that are from Serbia, and whenever they're in America, that I'll ask them, you know, how big is tennis? How big is Novak? And for them, in Serbia, like, these players are top-notch celebrities. So when they were all ranked, I think at one point they were all ranked within the top ten. You know, Jelena and Anna and Novak were all up there. I mean, winning a Grand Slam is what is like like the most coveted thing you could do and instant celebrity status and instant fame. And it was, it was a massive deal. I'm positive. It was a huge deal for Serbia. And then to be able to bring up these players and have all three of them do well was, was amazing really. Yeah. I think for Ivanovic, I think you can really tell that she really has, I mean, I, I would say the same thing for Yankovic truthfully too. I, I think that these two really genuinely love the sport they play and recognize, I think they're, status in it. I think Ivanovic has gone through quite a bit of the, uh, you know, has really rode the sports roller coaster more than others. And 
um, it, it, it was nice to see, I, I think just from a purely fan point of view, I think it was a very nice, nice year to see for her. And, um, you know, I, I hope for, I think her sake, we'll, uh, we'll see that continue in 2015. I think, I think that really is going to be of the, of the current top 10 going forward. I think Ivanovich is one of the toughest to call in my opinion, just because she has been so volatile over the years. But, but that said, it has been a, a slow but gradual, you know, increase back to you know this privileged position, and and she really has um, you know made a nice run back to I think where she was. So, um, so let's go on there to to number four, and I I can sort of see where your top four is going to land here, but I'm curious to see the order. So let's go number four. Number four, I have Sharapova. Okay. Um, right now she's at number two which I don't think anyone really saw coming at the start of the year. She wasn't exactly looking like she'd be having, she had a shot at making anything the year at number one, and I don't think that anyone really saw that coming. So I'd have her at four because I think she'll have a great year, but I think she won't win another slam. I don't think she's going to win the French Open because I think being able to maintain that kind of a clay court season like she had this year is going to be really, really tough for a player that has had so many injuries, that has had so many up and downs lately. And you know, just keeping her focused and keeping her motivated doesn't seem to be an issue, but the older you get, the harder it gets, I think. And I think for her to to be able to dominate the clay season and defend all those points and win the French Open again is is asking for a lot. Yeah, the Rafa of the WTA, as it's turned out to be for Sharapova, it's really been um it's really been quite a, a transition, a story for her becoming really this clay juggernaut here and um, has really backed it up year after year. Um, I think a lot of people will be looking forward to perhaps seeing a a Halep Sharapova rematch in Paris at some point. It was um, it was recently put as the number two match of the year on, on Steve's Steve Tigner's countdown on on Tennis dot com. Um, certainly one of the most memorable matches, and I was not. I really did think at the time that Halep had the keys to kind of. Um, take down Sharapova in that match, and that really a, a classic. Um, but Sharapova really just, you know, certainly you're never going to compare her to Serena in the way that because of how dominant one has been over the other, but it's it, at this point, and until proven otherwise, it is still a clear, it is still a clear one two with those two, and the veterans still really um, leading the charge here amidst. I think a very noticeable and real youth movement in the WTA. So um, there's a lot of names that we're not going to probably mention today that, you know, I think could be future top tenors. You talk about players like Muguruza, and we saw so many of them at the U.S. Open, Benchich, Krunich, players like that, um, that the the performances of, of a Serena and of a Sharapova, more to the point, um, has been all the more impressive year after year. Um, if, uh, if there's nothing else to add for Maria, let's move on to number three. All right. Number three, I've got Wozniacki. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think someone like her has had a remarkable year and I think everyone was so focused on her personal life that it made her focus more on her tennis and especially her fitness. And I think she's one of the best athletes, you know, in the world right now. And she has the ability to, to grind out these matches and to wear down her opponents. And as long as she can find a way around Serena, I think there's a good shot of her winning her first slam this year. Now, I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate here in that do you think that 
it, it sounds like you don't, that 2014 was really Wozniacki catching lightning in a bottle, catching all, catching not the right breaks. That's kind of a bad way to put it with really what happened to her off the court. But it did seem like there was this kind of magical quality to especially the end of her year. Um, do you think, do you think she is capable of backing that up considering I think some of her past, you know, players have kind of figured her out over time, especially since she was a, a year and number one, two years running. She was, she was at number one, but I think that her game now is better than it was then. And I think that what's changed is people around her have kind of have figured it out and they kind of adapted to her style. But at the same time, I think that she's adding more and more to her game. And I think that for her, having the right attitude, having the right you know, mentality going into matches is what's going to be critical. And being able to win matches instead of, you know, she lost in the semifinals to Serena, and she could have won that match. So those are the matches that she needs to turn around, more so than that people have figured her out, I think is the, is the key to her doing well. And I think that actually Australia is going to be a very good starting point for her um, this year as well. Uh, I think the courts will play very well to her game. I think... As you said, I think the momentum is really still there from, from 2014 for her. She will be probably ranked among the top eight as long as that doesn't change um, based on the first two weeks of the season. That's a big thing for her too, to, to avoid some of the, uh, the other greats of the game until the much later rounds. Um, there is a lot to like for for Wozniacki in the in the immediate term too, as it relates to Melbourne. So, uh, I think that's I think as you say, I think it's going to be a very perhaps a trendy pick to to really make quite a bit make a big splash down there. So we'll 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 see with her as well um, as we will with everybody we've mentioned, of course. I don't want to single her out specifically, but. Um, Let's move on to number two. Do you have Simona Halep or Serena Williams in this slot? Or do you have perhaps an outsider, say a <laughs> Mona Bartel or an Allison Risk, um, climbing the ladder this time? <laughs> no, not not quite, unfortunately, for the Americans. Um, I've got Simona Halep at number two. All right. So tell me what, because I think I think Halep, from um, an outsider's perspective, someone that doesn't follow the game very closely, might be someone who you can't necessarily pinpoint what she does so well as you would be able to say Serena Williams or Maria Sharapova, someone like that. So what does Halep, what did Halep do so well in 2014? And, and, you know, what do you see as really great marks of her game? I think the big thing for her was being consistent throughout the entire year, which a lot of players have not been able to do. They either, you know, they played well the first half, they play well the second half, but she managed to play well the entire year. And she managed to put together a lot of great matches and got like great runs of the slams. And I think that the only thing with her is that she tends to do really well at a tournament and then pull out of the tournament right after. She it was a little bit strange, but yeah, and she and she had that consistency, you know, building from a year. I think the year before last, she I believe won five or six titles. Um, I think had one of the biggest tournament title counts of the tour. Um, I think it was in 2013, and we really saw, um, you know, a distinct evolution from from you know the minor events to the major events for her um, in 2014, and and I think that's going to be. Uh, I, like I said, with with Wozniacki, Australia, I think is going to be so so interesting to see from from her from Halp's perspective as well. 
Um, I, th- I think that overall the, the 2014 Australian Open is going to be such an entertaining view from the women's point of view where I think there are quite a, you know, quite a few more unknowns and, and really just really just kind of the, where does the next chapter go for some of these players and players and help, I think is a great example of that. I think she has demonstrated kind of the all court, all court game. I, I mean, and by that, I mean really all surfaces. Um, and she's going to have, obviously, like I said, you know, before a substantially higher ranking, a seed that, you know, it's very likely that we'll see her collide with, uh, you know, the others among her, among her group here, you know, way down the line in, uh, in Melbourne. So, um, Halep, uh, Halep is, I think, uh, I think a solid pick there for number two. I think a lot of people would agree with you there. Um, number one, it can only be Serena Williams, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, okay. So, so for Serena, she will turn 34, she'll turn 34 much later in the year, just turned 33. Um, and coming off of, you know, how would you characterize, would you say Serena's 2014 overall? I, I think it was, you know, obviously as the one slam had the disappointments in the other three slams, you know, what did you think of her play overall in 2014? Well, I think the fact that she only won one slam and uh, obviously the year-end finals, I think the fact that she still ended up on top was was just a, a, like a testament to her, you know, like despite the fact that the Grand Slams weren't all great, she managed to to pull together in all the other tournaments. She managed to keep her focus. She didn't, she didn't go away. She didn't just lose them early in a slam and then disappear for a month or two. She's been very driven and very dedicated and playing week in and week out. And I think that kind of grind we haven't seen with her for a while. You know, usually she tends to kind of disappear for at least a chunk of the year and I think that her being able to be consistent and around and play the WTA finals the way she did the way that she bounced back she lost the Halep 0-2 and then destroyed her in the finals it just shows that she's someone who wants that 19th Grand Slam and even though winning the 18th was was tough I think that she can win another one this year and I think that she'll get that 19th one I think that's what's driving her and maybe she only has a year or two left and I but I think she'll end up on top she do you, now? Do you mean by twenty-two Grand Slams on top of Groff? Is that what we're talking? No, I mean, I mean, um, I think she'll she'll get to number be, one. This yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, with with uh, with Serena, she's you know battling her com- competition as much as she is battling other legends on, on the list here. You know, number nineteen would see her go um, above uh, above some unbelievable names with Chris Evert. Um, and Martina there, so it's uh, there. There is a lot still to play for for Serena Williams, even at you know the age she's at, and you know all, the, all everything she has won, everything she has accomplished in the game. Um, I don't think I I don't think it's a uh, a stretch by any means to think that even at that age, even by 34, she will end number one. Uh, I am gonna. I am gonna go with that Kvitova pick there. I'm. I can see that being, you know, perhaps uh, talked about later as the uh, the pick that that went awry. Too much eggnog, something of that sort. But it's. I'm gonna go with that for um, for my year on number one. Um, some names that we didn't mention here. Um, Kerber Sabolkova nine and ten. You know, right at the end of this year's list. You know, we'll see where they where they go from there. I think I think Sabolkova, some might say that 
would be ripe for a, a fall there. She really has never sort of maintained that consistency, though perhaps she, almost if anybody would mention, might even be the most dangerous of anyone to see at a Grand Slam, um, aside from the, the fact that should be mentioned that she lost to CeCe Bellis at the, at the U.S. Open. Um, any other names you, you'd care to mention about um, going forward in 2015? Maybe some, some of the younger players that you could see emerging or you know, some of the veterans that we haven't discussed, a Venus, a Sam Stozer, um, Yelena, anybody of that sort? I think Benchic has a, has a good shot of getting within the top 15. Oh, we got um, something there. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think something like Benchich. I mean, she's seventeen. It's it's completely insane that how well she's done this year and how quickly she's risen, and um, the fact that she has Martina Hingis, his mom, you know, backing her is is a big deal. And I think she's got a shot of, of making another run. She made the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open, and I don't see why she can't do something like that again this year. She's still got nothing to lose. I mean, she's still a kid. Yeah. And I, then uh, yeah. yeah, and somebody maybe even like Makarova who who made some moves this year and is finally realizing her potential to be a great top player. I think she'll be somewhere inside the top 15 as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll close with mentioning Madison Keys here. Um, I do like the coaching hires a lot. We, there was a, a, she'll be working with, with Lindsay Davenport and her husband actually. Um, and that was after a, maybe like a five day sort of agreement in principle with uh, Wim Fassett who, who handled Halep last year. Um, Keys, I think, you know, that, that serve is just unteachable, and I do kind of like the head, the head game that she, that she has, I think, in comparison with someone like Sloan. Um, I, I think uh, this will be, 2015, I think, will we'll certainly, I think, separate one of those from the other in terms of, um, in terms of the U.S. pecking order. Um, one last name that I didn't mention until glancing at it here, um, right now, number 31 seed in the game, Victoria Azarenka. And that's another player that we're going to be looking to see where she goes after, um, you know, a year filled with injury, of course. But, you know, we're talking a multiple-time Grand Slam champion here. We're talking about really one of the only true rivals we've seen to Serena over the past five years. Um, Azarenka, a name that cannot be forgotten amongst um, discussion here. She could perhaps be unranked going in the Australian Open, which would be insane. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, that is a wrap for the, uh, making our list, checking it twice type of deal here for the WTA, the year on top 10 in 2015. We should check and see how these picks turned out, uh, a year from now. We'll see. We should. Yeah. We'll be talking more, um, on future podcasts with Nina here. So thanks for the, uh, for the, uh, joining us, joining in here. This is a good debut. We'll do more of this to come for sure. Great. And uh, for all you, I, like I said, the men's preview podcast coming up as well with Steve and I. Uh, we'll have that later on the site on iTunes, etc. Until then, thank you again, Tennis.com Podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan for Nina Pantic. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com Podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.